Everyone wants a friend uh, who is on their side. We all want someone who's got our backs, don't we? Uh, We all would love to have at our disposal um, someone who we know would protect us and stand up for us. If no one else would, at least that person would. (laughs) Uh, Think of how much you uh, want someone to be on your side in an argument. To know you're not alone, that you're not stupid. (laughs) What, What you think. Um, Think of how you might go to a medical appointment with a chaperone. Someone to stick up for you and pursue the care that they see so desperately that you need. Think of how, perhaps in a professional capacity, you might belong to a professional body. Or a trade union, perhaps, or something like that. So that you're not on your own. We want support. And protection, don't we? Life is full of hardships and hazards and we want someone with us. Of course, the trick now is finding that person, isn't it? I mean, even even if you can think of someone you could call upon in a moment's notice, can you be sure that you could count on them? Could you be sure they'd answer the phone? Could you be sure they would be there and that they would be able to take care of you? And even if you could get hold of them, Do you know that they'd be able to deliver you from that danger and that threat? Even if you could find a friend that you could depend on, I'm sure the cynics among us would ask, go on then, give us the proof. Prove it. I suppose in the end, most of us always have a sneaking suspicion that the help that we have is somehow only fair weather help. We all want someone on our side, don't we? Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Because we're in these Psalms of Ascent. We've been going through, if you've been with us through the last uh, few weeks and months off and on, uh, we've been going through Psalms 120 to Psalm 134. Uh, They're a collection of 15 Psalms, a battered old hymn book, as it were, that the people of God used. They used it on pilgrimage to the temple. They were songs to motivate them to go and remember what the Lord had done for them. I suppose a bit like how the kids try and get motivated on the school bus by singing, I don't know, when the saints go marching on. <laughs> I don't know. The wheels on the bus, not that that really motivates anyone. But you get the idea, that kind of motivational songs, right? Year after year, these songs were sung. You'd remember them. They'd be part of who you were. They weren't just motivational songs. They weren't just songs for that pilgrimage. But actually they became a discipleship manual. Songs that powered the life of faith. Not just to the temple. On the journey of life. Let me give you a summary of where we got to today. Psalm 120. We sung of how the believers wanted to turn away from a world of lies. And to follow the Lord. Psalm 121 remembered that if we're going to do that, well, we'll need to know the Lord is our keeper. And then Psalm 122 set our vision on what was ahead, on the heavenly city of Jerusalem. But like a cycle, Psalm 123 then returned to the theme of actually you can turn away from the world and turn to the Lord. That doesn't mean the world won't hold you in contempt. They very well may. And so Psalm 124, where we are today, returns to this theme of help and deliverance. 
that hazards face us on the journey of faith. And what this psalm does for us today is explain that we really do have someone on our side. Christian, you really do have someone on your side. The Lord is on your side. He is our help. He is our protector. The cynics say, oh yeah, really. And this psalm says, oh yeah, really. Look at this. Look at this. The Lord has proven himself in history. That's what this psalm is going to tell us. That at the one moment we needed it the most, he was there. He saved my life. The Lord is our help. You see, the problem we'll discover today is not that we don't have a friend that we can depend on. The problem is, will we believe it? Will we believe it or not? Look at how the psalm starts. Look how it begins. This is a psalm with David leading us. Look at verse one. He begins his psalm saying, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, guys, Wake up. Wake up. Join in. Let Israel now say, this is your song. This is who you are. Sure enough, King David is writing about his own personal experience. We're not sure necessarily when, possibly 2 Samuel chapter 5 is referenced here. But he clearly writes it knowingly for all generations, doesn't he? Let Israel now say, guys, this is your story. Let it be your song. You need to sing this. You need to sing this psalm and you need to remember it and believe it. That if the Lord hadn't been on our side, well, things would have been so, so very different. We are who we are because the Lord has been our help. He's on our side. He is. So we're going to see this morning three things that David points us to, to see that the Lord really is on our side. Three things. What might have been, what was And what we can now say and declare. So firstly, what might have been, verses 1 to 5, had the Lord not been on our side? What might have been, had the Lord not been on our side? The psalm starts with an if. Uh, Look at those verses with me, verses 1 to 5. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept over us. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. This song says, doesn't it, if it wasn't for the Lord, then things would have been so so different. I don't know whether you're like me in this respect, but sometimes I get a little bit reflective. I think through my life and I wonder what my life might have been like if I'd made a different decision. If maybe I'd worked a bit harder at school or (laughs) I'd made friends with a different person. Maybe what I think to myself, maybe there's a sort of parallel life, a sort of parallel universe that I really ought to be living in. There's a world that I was meant to be in, and this one somehow, well, I'm just sort of not meant to be here. I'm meant to be on that other life, that better life. (laughs) We're sort of a bit like that, what's going on in this psalm, isn't it? Except it's not about the decisions that we made. Notice it's, it's not about David's decisions. 
It's not about Israel's decisions. It's not about another dreamy reality that was meant for us. No, this psalm is saying, this is what it would have been like if the Lord wasn't on our side. If the Lord hadn't stood up for us and been for us. He says, this is the reality that should have been. This is actually the one that you may very well have been in. But you're not. But you're not. You see, without the Lord on our side, says this psalm, there really would have been another reality. And did you notice? It's a terrifying one at that, isn't it? The psalm explains an enemy arose. And when this enemy rose up, when their anger was kindled into a blaze of fire, well, without the Lord, verse 3, then they would have swallowed us up alive. I think we know what that image is saying, kind of, don't we? It kind of gives us the picture of almost like a monster. Um, kind of one minute you're living your life as normal and then you're swallowed up by the monster. <laughs> Consumed. Uh, the, the thought, I guess, also um, is there in terms of nature, isn't it? It's swallowed up is a, a word we use when thinking about kind of earthquakes and things like that. You know the thing, there's a shudder and then the cracks and the fissures open up and if you're stood in the wrong place, well then you fall in. You are swallowed up alive. There's nothing you can do about it. It comes on you in a moment. The psalm says, Israel sing, if it hadn't been for the Lord, we'd have been swallowed up alive. Yeah, makes you shudder, doesn't it? But not only that, look at verse four and five. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then it would have been like a flood would have swept us away. A torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Here the image is something of a flash flood. Now that may very well do absolutely nothing for you, though I suspect if you live in the bottom area of Ride, this, this might scare you a little bit, um, which does get flooded sometimes. <laughs> uh, let, let me tell you, if you've been in the ancient Near East, this imagery would have been really very real for you. In, in, in that part of the world, it goes from a dry season to a rainy season. So in the dry season, the place where the waters used to flow dries into little gullies and little valleys and little rivers. Um, and if you suddenly get a change when the wet season comes, you get a big storm uphill. Well, the water just rushes down those dry gullies. I mean, at speed and it gathers in the rivers and all of a sudden, well, if you're living at the bottom, one minute you could be happily living your life. And then next you could be totally wiped out. Your home, your possessions swept away. Your business washed away, everything you have wrecked and rearranged, obliteration, family members drowned, you yourself drowned. Sudden disaster, sudden death, it's hellish, isn't it? Do you see what David is saying here for us to sing? If it wasn't for the Lord on our side, well, we'd have an experience of hell, utter destruction and death. Now, of course, the pilgrims uh, know very well how to sing this song. They know the stories of God's people, how God's people would have been swallowed up alive by Pharaoh, by the Red Sea, <laughs> an enemy. They knew that. They could sing this song. They knew some of the stories of David and the Philistines as well. They should very well be able to sing of being trapped in certain death. This is what could have been. You see, we're supposed to... Read this psalm, I think, and we're supposed to see the very real threat here, the very real reality of this. This is the way 
It should have been for every generation of Israel and for the church today. We are to remember that without the intervention of God, it would have been a disaster like this. The curse of sin and death ought to have swallowed us up alive. We ought to have been swallowed up by the raging waters. But this morning, this psalm urges us to sing and rediscover a sense of awe and wonder. To marvel at God's great intervention for us. That could have been. Reality check, right? That could have been. And it wasn't. Wow. Whoa. Marvel at God's great intervention for sinners. Who without him are bound on a course to hell. Know, friends, this morning, that we are who we are, not because of what we've done, not because of the choices that we've made, not because of the things that we've done, but because of the Lord, Israel's hope and future. What happened to them in that crisis, it all depended on what the Lord would do, whether the Lord had been on their side. They were helpless to forces and opponents that acted on them. In every instance in this psalm that we see the people of God, they're the object of someone else's actions. But the Lord intervened. They couldn't have done anything to change it, but with the Lord on their side, it changed everything. This psalm says to us, think about, sing about what could have been, what might have been, what should have been. Marvel at the Lord. Marvel at his intervention at the cross, his interception of the curse, his shielding of us from that righteous justice, his taking of our place. It could have been so different. But it wasn't. It wasn't. Because the Lord was on our side. Has that reality dawned on you this morning? Friend, you really do have someone on your side. Think of what could have been. But don't just stay there, says this psalm. Don't just stay thinking about what could have been. But think about and sing and remember what actually happened. What was. Point number two. What actually was instead. This new unexpected reality. What was. Verses six and seven. Look at the verses. No surprise is it, it overflows in praise. Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. There's triumph there, isn't there? There's praise to God for a miraculous last gasp escape from a terrifying enemy. Another two images are used here, aren't they? It's not the swallowing up of the earthquake or those torrential waters flowing over. No longer images of the natural realm, but now we've got images from the animal kingdom uh, instead. It almost gives you a flavour and a feel for the, for the reality that there seems to be nowhere where we're free of, from threat or danger. Whereas the images there before were swift and speedy wipeout type of pictures, now in the psalm it moves on to slower images. Feast and its prey. 
bird and the trap. These images portray the slower agonies of defeat. They add up nonetheless to death and, and doom. But wonderfully we see as this imagery slows down, it only amplifies the great work of God. In the grip of the enemy, sings the psalm, it would have been like we were prey to their teeth. A beast and the prey. As I read this, what hits me, and this is probably my upbringing, uh, is the Jungle Book. You've seen the Disney adaptation of the Jungle Book. I think the first time you meet the character Shere Khan, I may well be confusing Disney films in my head, (laughs) but I think he's playing with a mouse on the end of his claws and just kind of twiddling it around in his finger. Here is the beast and the prey, utterly helpless. And this psalm says that was the enemy. But that beast had no feast at our expense. On goes the song. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. In fact, here's what actually happened. Verse 7. We have escaped. Like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken. And we have escaped. Here the image of the enemy. The enemy is portrayed as like a a poacher, a fowler, someone who's catching um, birds. Apparently, uh, if you're in the wilderness, if you find yourself having to be a Bear grills type of character, I've learned this this week in my research for this sermon, um, you can, apparently you can catch birds relatively easily. You get a stick, okay, you get a stick, you put another stick sort of in it somehow, resting on it, and you dangle a noose on the little stick, you put a weight down the other side of this noose, and when the bird lands on the stick, kind of weight goes down, the noose gets the bird, you got them. Easy, right? <laughs> no, but apparently it's straightforward. But you get, you get the picture of what would happen to this bird, right? Caught in the trap, in the snare, flutter around, writhe as much as the bird likes. Well, they only cause themselves friction burns, don't they? The situation is hopeless for the little bird. They are dinner. It's game over in a sort of tragic way. This is what might have been another metaphor of destruction and defeat. Apparently, again, this is quite a common one from the ancient Near East. You can find out about this in the British Museum. This is an extra I'm going to throw in because uh, I should have cut it, but I'm going to say it. Um, (laughs) If you go to the British Museum, you can find out about another story from the Bible about when a guy called Sennacherib from Assyria attacked Judah and surrounded Hezekiah. And if you go to the British Museum and you can read Assyrian, I guess, you can read that uh, that Sennacherib says, I surrounded Hezekiah and he was like a bird in a cage. It's a common image of doom, of waiting to die, utter hopelessness. And the psalm says, look, this is what could have been the The beast and the prey, the bird in the snare. But here is what really happened. This is the new reality. The Lord didn't give us over to the beast. The fowler's trap was undone. Because you see, the truth is that the people of God didn't just have someone alongside. Someone to make them feel better about the danger. The Lord wasn't just alongside. The Lord was in total control. Such that if he was on their side, if he is on our side, then there's nothing anyone can do to harm you. It is in his gift and his alone to decide what happens in the midst of a crisis. The decision on how we fare 
does not rest with our enemies, however sharp their teeth. The success of the fowler's trap doesn't rest in their hands either. The Lord is in control and by his hand, the trap is totally broken. The noose and the branches, they just end up looking limp and pathetic. Derelict, defunct, useless, detritus, only good to be crushed into the forest floor. This song sings, we are free. The trap is broken. We are free as a bird. It's a line of joy, isn't it? The enemy didn't get us. The enemy didn't get us. I love the way the King James Version puts this verse. Here's how the King James Version puts it. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, we've escaped. The enemy didn't get us. The enemy didn't get our life. The enemy didn't get our souls. We have escaped. Glorious, wonderful triumph, isn't it? A situation where it looked like there was no way out. And then there was, surprise. All because of the Lord, all because of his miracle. It's his doing, an awesome last gasp escape. According to his plans, according to his purposes, in the end, all it does is serve to shame the smugness of the enemies, doesn't it? Those who were, who were called raging waters thought they'd had it all sewn up. Well, don't they look daft now? The snare is broken. The psalm sings out, go home enemies, go home guys. We have won. The Lord is on our side. Now, friends, I can't help but want to preach Jesus from these verses. Wasn't it Jesus who was supposedly trapped and defeated, crucified, dead and buried, stone rolled across, tomb sealed and guarded? But what happened on Easter morning? The snare was released, ripped apart. The trap was broken. The Lord Jesus escaped and left the trap of sin and death forever broken. Freedom. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is what we are to sing. What could have been. What might have been, but never was. Because of the Lord. Because the Lord is on our side. He is our help. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What must we do here, friends? Surely we must praise. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Do we have that note of the miraculous intervention of Jesus in our life? This song is meant to be defining for us, isn't it? This is meant to be life transforming for us and cause us to bless the Lord, to speak and proclaim and to sing of what he's done for us. We have new life because of him. So we'd be changed uh, like, like no other. Maybe you've met in your life people whose lives have been changed. Maybe you've met uh, the alcoholic who went to the support groups. Maybe they had their crashes, but they had a shoulder to cry on and somehow they got through the programme and, well, now they can only wax lyrical about the programme. And that friend who helped them. Maybe you've met someone who was homeless and someone provided them shelter, a permanent address. And slowly but surely their life came back together. And now they just love Sheila who put them up. And now they volunteer and raise funds for the homeless charity. Or maybe you've met someone who was trapped in an abusive relationship and given a way of escape. Or maybe you've met someone who had cancer and was able to have a new scanning process and, 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 and their life was changed. 
See, all those people live out of a sense of thankfulness, don't they, and joy, with a renewed sense of purpose. Do you see? Someone was on their side. Someone helped them and they were saved. Do you see how much this sort of thankfulness and joy ought to mark us out as Christians? Because we're living literally on another planet if we're not filled with joy here. That what could have been, what should have been, was not. And we have a new life, a new reality. I'd have been swallowed up. But the Lord, who's in control, didn't give me up to it. He broke the trap. Now, the cynical person this morning says, oh, yeah, OK, sure. You, you know, you talk about God being your help. But help is so unreliable these days. And just because you've had help once doesn't mean you'll have it again. And this God you speak of, well, he's only really helping you because he's kind of weak and capricious and he wants worshippers. Really get over it. Uh, people might say, really get over it. <laughs> He hasn't saved you and, and, and he won't save you and death will win. And in the end, you can only, well, you, you can't have confidence in anyone. You'll be crushed by the hazards out there. That's why, says the atheist, you should choose just simply not to care. Just choose not to care about danger and what might happen to your faith and hope and love. But this, friends, is why this last part of the psalm is so important. Why how it ends is critical for us. We've seen what might have been. We've seen what actually happened. Well, let's see what we are to say and what we are to declare. The climax of the song, verse 8. The nation, the church, sings in unity, in unison as she's been led. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. In the face of hazard, in the face of danger, this psalm sings, we have help. You see, it's not just that the Christian has been helped, but that we have help now in the present too. Christians are to say our help is in the name of the Lord. Do you see in this psalm how much, how often the, the name of the Lord comes up? It's at the beginning. It's at the end in our verse. It's in verse 6. It's in verse 2. The name of the Lord comes up four times. And in each time it is the covenant name of the Lord, Yahweh. I am who I am. The God who is holy, other, majestic in glorious and glory and faithfulness, true to his word and keeper of every one of his promises. The covenant name of the Lord here, as one person has said, <laughs> means literally that he is locked onto us in unending total commitment. Christian, your help is in the name of the Lord, and that's his name. That he is locked onto you. So if he saved you in the past, if he's been committed to you to save you in the past, well, we can be under no doubts that he will be our help in the future. Because his name means he is locked onto us. And listen, he's, to reply to the cynic again, he's not doing this because he needs worship or... Because he needs us and he's manipulating us. Look at this psalm. It all starts with a big if, doesn't it? God could have done otherwise. He didn't need to intervene for us. But he does out of the overflow of his heart, out of the overflow of his love. He rescues a people for himself and it's all to his glory. 
is the God who locks himself onto us. So what are we to say? We've had help. We have help. Our help is in the name of the Lord. And guess what? That same Lord is the maker of heaven and earth. You see, here is our help. And he's not just someone who kind of says they can help, but can't really do anything about it. He's not someone who is committed, but ultimately we can, in the end, ends up being counterproductive. No, he is the maker of heaven and earth. He initiates, he maintains, he controls, and he directs all things. He's the Lord of all. When hazards face us, even though we do not see the Lord, he is more real and more potent than any threat However powerful and advanced it may seem. Bigger than all the things made that might face us. He's the maker of heaven and earth. I imagine um, it makes world leaders feel pretty powerful and pretty confident that they know that they can look at their military arsenals. might think of the last few years and some of the swagger from politicians. I can imagine it makes a, a global leader feel very confident to know that they have the power to press the nuclear button. Right? They have that sort of confidence because that's what they have, that button. But look at this. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth What kind of confidence ought we have? Well, so much bigger. He made the button. He controls what happens with the button. There are no buttons that he doesn't have his finger on. That is who is your help. Imagine what this should do to us. He's the Lord alongside. He's the Lord in total control. He is the Lord of all. And friends, this psalm says he is for you. He is our help. That statement implies confidence that he is with us. He is our help. He is with us. And our future is in his caring hands. The cynic says, don't put your confidence in anyone. You can't rely on anyone. Just be careless. But this psalm says, no, there is someone you can trust. You can put your confidence in him and he will never let you down. For he is the maker of of heaven and earth, and he who has already rescued you from a terrifying hell is so committed to us that our future safety is underwritten and guaranteed by the cross and resurrection of Jesus. It is, after all, the Lord Jesus who really sings this song to us, isn't it? This song, the words of this psalm, aren't they exemplified by him most of all? Oh, how the people rose up against Jesus, how their anger was kindled against Jesus, how the terror lay before him. But the Lord Jesus walked the way of the cross, knowing his father on his side. He descended into death. He lay in the trap. He willingly took the place in the snare. But he escaped it. He broke it. The Lord was on his side. So, friends, we echo those words. We take them on because of our saviour. And we sing, had the Lord not been on our side, we would have faced hell. But we know we have a deliverance. We await a resurrection day. 
So, Christian, let me ask you, where is your confidence? Where is your identity and security? There are for us many hazards, aren't there? And there are indeed many hazards for us just simply by virtue of being Christian. Disrespect and uh, and gossip, perhaps, by others. Being socially ostracised. Maybe other things too. I wonder what hazards you're thinking about that await you in the week ahead. Perhaps you yourself are an anxious person and, and the temptation for us is what will our thoughts really be driven by? What will we think about more? Will we think more about the hazards that face us? Or the Lord who has helped us? What will we think about more? The hazards that face us? Or the fact that the Lord is our ever-present help? Do you see that what we think about is what will come to define us? And that's why this song gets us singing. It teaches us to find our identity in Christ. It teaches us to know what would have been, what might have been, but now miraculously what has happened by the intervention of God in Christ. And now what we can say, out of our history we live, the Lord was on our side. He is at our side. He is for us. And friend, if you trusted in him, You can know that you are eternally safeguarded by his grace and power. He is on your side. You see, each of us, I think, want a friend on our side, don't we? Perhaps in those little low moments, we wonder really if we do have a friend on our side. And the trick is finding that person. We wonder if we have. But know this. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your risen saviour, then you have one who is at your side and will guard your life forever. And the scriptures tell us what this means in Romans chapter 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And here's that beautiful declaration. For I am sure... That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let's pray, shall we? Our Father in heaven, we ask that you would teach us to marvel at what might have been, but never happened. Father, we pray that we might have, as it were, been woken up afresh and given that reality check we need. Father, might we be driven to praise, to the cry of verse six, blessed be the Lord. 
Might we live out of the history that we have? Might we who have been helped know that we have a help that can be depended on no matter what? Father, might we live out of the confidence that you've given us and before every hazard that we feel that we might face, might we rest in you completely till our final day we pray. In Jesus' strong and mighty name we ask these things. Amen.